Welcome back to episode four of But You Don't Look Sick. Today, I want to talk about asking and accepting help. And the best way I can describe this is to liken it to a toddler tying their shoes. Have you ever watched a toddler or a small child try to put on and tie their shoes? As a parent, it's excruciating to watch because you just want to jump in and help them. But for a toddler, they go at it with such a fierce drive of independence. They need to put on these things by themselves. They refuse to ask for help. Even when your help is offered and right in front of them, they will not accept it. They must do this on their own. And you sit there and watch them as they scream and cry and throw their shoes and get angry and you offer more help, but they will not accept it. They must do it on their own. And then they do get those shoes on finally and they stand up and you notice that they're on the wrong feet. Do you tell them that they they got it wrong? Do you tell them that they have to switch it because you know the fight that it's going to, (laughs) that it's going to start? Because they feel so proud, so do you want to make them feel defeated? Do you want to make it seem like they failed? Ultimately, they did it, but they did it the wrong way. That is how I got through cancer treatment. I was so hell-bent on getting through it on my own, obviously like with the help of Chris because he was there. He was in the house. He he was my caregiver, Um but as you heard with his episode last week, we we are so stubborn and we went through this in such a hard way because we just, we didn't know how to ask for help and we didn't know how to accept help that was given or offered. So the best, the best thing I can do is try and give her you advice, but not even really advice, is just to tell you all of the wrong things that I did and hopefully the things that you could do better in your situation. Or if you find yourself on the outside as a friend, as a family member, and you're wondering how you can help, hopefully this will give you a little bit of insight. Um, As a cancer patient, I can say that almost, or just as a woman in general, I can say that almost none of us enjoy asking for help, but it is absolutely a skill that we need to learn, especially when going through cancer treatment and recovery. We are just so accustomed to taking care of ourselves and putting everyone else's needs before our own that it is such a hard mindset to change. And that was exactly how it was for me. I felt like Accepting help or feeling like I needed help meant that cancer was derailing my life, that it was taking over, that I could no longer be the fully functioning mother and wife and daughter and friend that I was. It meant that it was all too real. It meant that I had a hard road ahead of me and I just refused to accept those things. And that is not the way to look at it. Asking for help is not at all a sign of weakness. And I wish that's something that I I would have known. I, I know so much more now going through it. I just felt that there was so much guilt attached to asking for help. I felt guilty accepting help when... In reality, all of those things are so stupid. If you, if you put them in perspective of cancer and the magnitude 
of the treatments and what the next year, or for me, even five or 10 years is going to hold is really asking for or accepting help that big of a deal. No, but asking for help makes us feel less capable. It makes us feel less independent, or it just makes us feel less than in some way. And I just wish that I would have stopped and accepted more help that was being offered. When you're going through cancer treatments, you have absolutely no energy. Everything, the life is sucked out of you, especially when you're going through chemo. And you don't feel, you feel like a shell of yourself because your mind is completely clouded with these drugs. I cannot even tell you how many times, even on when I was on the upswing of chemo and I was feeling good, I would go out and I would forget my phone number. I would forget my social security number. I would forget my address when picking up prescriptions. I would sit there and I would literally just draw a blank as to where I was, why I was there, and what am I even doing? That is such a harsh reality to no longer feel like you're a capable human being. And so fighting cancer, is your full, it's your full-time job. And you have to accept that if that is your full-time job, that you need to be able to delegate the other things that need to be done in your life. So the biggest thing you can do is, for one, pick a point person. My point person was Chris. You know, all of my close friends or people that lived around us, they had Chris's phone number and Chris had their phone number. Just in the case of an emergency, my neighbors knew that once they knew what was going on, I felt like if we had an emergency, we could go to them. If we needed them to watch the kids because I had to be rushed to the hospital or something, I felt like we could really go to them. Um, Even though that was even a hard thing to accept was like, not being able to take care of your own children. That was one of the hardest parts for me was being so sick that I just could not get up and do the bedtime routine. I didn't have enough energy to read them a book. Um, I couldn't go to the pool. I couldn't go to the beach. I couldn't do all of these things. And it's just so hard to accept that you're no longer functioning at the capacity that you once were. So picking a point person, Chris knew that, or everyone knew that Chris was the go-to guy if they needed to know when my doctor's appointments were, or if they needed to know how the last round of chemo went, they knew to text Chris or to call Chris. Um, I also, one thing that helped me just to kind of stay on track and Chris knew kind of what to do or was as far as if people are asking for help was to make lists. I just made, I constantly needed to make lists because I couldn't remember anything. Ace would help me make lists as far as change the laundry. Don't forget to water, give um, the dogs water. Just simple little things that I normally just couldn't do. So making lists was a huge help and I would make a list and leave it. And, you know, Chris could then say, okay, I now need to vacuum or I, you know, I have to get whatever project stuff that ACE needs for school or whatever. I just constantly needed to make lists. And that's the biggest thing that I can tell you is if you are going through a situation, um, and it doesn't have to be cancer, whether you just had a baby, whether you broke your foot, whether you're going through a move, like who knows what the situation is. Any situation can be stressful. Um, 
make lists that you can go off of and that somebody that wants to help, they can reference to. When it came to family and friends, I felt like Chris and I did not want to burden anybody with anything. Um, we didn't want to tell people to uproot their lives or you know, s stop working in order to come help us with whatever we were going on. Obviously, if we lived in the same area as our family, it would have been a lot easier to accept help, but we couldn't afford to fly people out to help us. You know, we're, we're now just saddled with medical bills. So telling somebody to come help us, but then not being able to offer them a way of transportation, that just felt like even a bigger burden because now they're taking off work and they're coming to help and they're coming into a situation that is so chaotic because it's not just a cancer patient that is being taken care of. There's also four children in the house and then there's two very large dogs. It's a crazy, crazy house to step into. So going through it, what Chris and I learned was that when it came to cancer treatments and chemo, we didn't want anyone in the house. It just felt like one more body and human being in the house. And that just felt suffocating for us. So we didn't, when people would offer to come over or friends would say, you know, I really just want to come over and sit with you and talk with you. I basically said no all the time because I just didn't want people in my space. I felt like being at home was where I was able to tackle this and it was where I was able to just lay in the fetal position for as long as possible and I didn't want people seeing me like that so I generally said no to people coming into my house um which is not always right I probably could have benefited from friends coming over or going on a walk with me or just sitting on the front porch with a coffee I think any type of human interaction would have been better but like I said I was just so stubborn and stupid and hell-bent on just getting through this um, without feeling guilty or feeling like I couldn't pay somebody back for the help that they were giving or offering. Another thing that, and I've said this before, is if you are wanting to help a cancer patient or if you're just wanting to help a friend in general, the best thing you can do is not ask them how they can help you because that's just a backhanded way of them asking for help. Don't say, how can I help you? Because then the person is forced to say, well, I really need this, or you could do this. Don't ask those questions, just do something or contact their point person and say, I'd really like to send so-and-so a care package. Do they have any food allergies or what can what can Kelsey eat right now? Because when I was going through chemo, I was either nauseous or I was sitting on the toilet. So fruits and vegetables were not my friend. Now bread, bread was my friend, pasta was my friend. Those were types of things that I could eat. So, you know, just checking with their point person, their caregiver and saying, I really want to send this. Um, the best thing people kind of did for me was they thought of my kids. They said, can I please come pick up your kids and take them to the park? And as much as that would scare me because I am a helicopter parent, um, you know, Chris would say, I'll walk down to the park with the kids or I'm going to take the kids to the beach today and, or, you know, we're going to go take Ace's friends 
to the arcade in a movie or something. Like just involving the kids made everything less stressful on me because I just wanted their life to be so normal. I didn't want them to miss out on anything. So if somebody has kids, I would definitely think of the kids. What can I do for them? Sending you know, sending them gift cards to Target or sending them colored pencils and coloring books, those types of things. Um, I would also just kind of think of what you would want in that situation. Something that really helped me going through chemo was there was a program that I signed up for to get free house cleanings. It's, you know, it was, it was something that the hospital told me about that you could get a couple free house cleanings while you're in active treatment. And as much as I, I was kind of reluctant to sign up for it, but then once I realized how much Chris was taking on and the fact that I am so OCD about cleaning and that I couldn't clean, if you know me at all, you know that I probably vacuum my hardwood floors like seven times a day because the sight of dog hair makes me want to jump out of my skin. So knowing that I could not get into every little corner and crevice to get the dog hair out was driving me crazy. When, if you look big picture, why the hell was I freaking out over dog hair when I'm fighting cancer? I mean, it all makes no sense, but you're just, you are just grabbing for shreds of normalcy. And for me, I just wanted to clean, but I couldn't, but I still wanted a clean house. So I applied to get my house clean during active treatment. And those couple cleanings were the best things for me just to be able to relax, know that my house was clean and that, you know, I, I accepted a little bit of help. Then afterwards, um, you know, somebody sent us a house cleaning. That was something that was hard to accept because I felt like somebody spent their own money to have someone clean my house. It was but it was also one of the nicest gestures because I didn't even know it was coming. That's the thing. Think about what you, everyday things that you would want done and then try and do those things for someone else. Don't, there's no need to tell them that you're even doing it. One of my friends, like completely unbeknownst to me, she, after my bilateral mastectomy, she sent me a post-surgical bra. This was something that I didn't even know that I needed, but she, she had someone close to her or someone that she knew go through that surgery. And that was something that they liked. That was something that they needed. And to have that show up on my doorstep, you know, without me, I didn't ask for it or anything, but I still, to this day, wear that bra because I've gone through however many more surgeries. Um, and so it's just little things like that. Don't ask how you can help, just, just do it. As far as the patient goes, your friends and family, they want to help you. And so you are, the way to think about it is to think that you are actually being kind to them by including them in the situation instead of saying, no, no, we're fine. And this is something that I didn't realize until it was told to me by a family member that, they felt like I was pushing them out because I wasn't accepting help. And I, that was never my intention. I just had the hardest time, um, accepting that I couldn't do things and (laughs) self-reliance at this point is overrated. It, It is. And it is in any 
form of life. It's not just a cancer diagnosis. Self-reliance is overrated. Repeat that to yourself (laughs) so that you can understand that asking for help means that you are actually wise for knowing your limits. Chris said it in last week's episode that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. It's actually a sign of being a good leader. And I did not understand that until I've gotten to this point and I am now a year out of my initial diagnosis and now I've finally realized that I am not weak. I wasn't weak to begin with, but asking for help actually meant that I was taking a handle of my situation, that I was looking my diagnosis in the face and saying that you will not beat me that I have all these people that are rallied around me that are ready and willing to help and we're going to get through this all together. I now know that. I know that there is a great strength in accepting help in any way, shape, or form. I feel like this goes just hand in hand with accepting help, but also being able to set boundaries. Yes, friends and family want to help, but you have to be able to set boundaries to the help that you also want to receive. I know a lot of my friends and family, when I first got diagnosed, their way of helping was sending me like all this other research of alternative medicine or, you know, all of these other things that could help with side effects from chemo, natural remedies, this and that. And I didn't want to fight my disease that way. I wanted to just hit it hard with every drug known to man. Um, and so I just kind of felt like, I felt like there is a way to be assertive and there's a way to be aggressive. And I just felt like sometimes people came off very aggressive with the way that they thought they were helping. Um, so that's another thing when you're talking to somebody in the situation, just be mindful of their wishes of the way that they want to fight it and then kind of tailor the advice or the help or the research that you're doing to to that effect. I I just knew that I I didn't want to go any type of natural route and to each their own. I feel like, you know, everybody's body is different. Miracles happen every single day. And if you can say that you fought, you know, any type of cancer with a colonic and celery juice, like more power to you. I Maybe I'll give it a try at some point. But when I was first getting a handle on my disease, I just felt like um, you can't you can't compare anybody else's situation to yours. You can't say that you know, oh well, my grandmother fought breast cancer and she did it this way, and you know, this is this is the way that you should probably do it. Offering advice and offering help is is perfectly fine. I feel like a lot of people like it and they need it, but it's also to just be mindful of just be mindful of how the patient feels and how they want the help. I'd say the biggest way that anyone can help through the situation is just to listen. I know that sometimes Chris would get on the phone with his family and he'd be on the phone for hours just because he needed to be able to talk and somebody was able to listen I know that that was the same way for me. Some days I just needed to be able to talk it out. I needed to be able to say what my treatments were. I needed to be able to say how I was feeling. I needed to be able to say how I was going to move forward. And just having somebody there to listen, whether or not they could relate to me 
that didn't matter. Just having someone that was willing to listen on the other end, that was so helpful. You know, if you want to help, follow through with it. And don't just feel like somebody needs help when they look sick. Don't just feel like somebody needs the help when they're going through active treatment. The anxiety and the treatment continues well after you've had all your surgeries, well after you're through chemo, still checking in on them and just calling them or texting them and saying, how are you today? How do you feel today? Because every day is different. The anxiety is mounting even the further you get out from your diagnosis because you're just thinking, you're thinking about reoccurrence. It's, it's a fear that you, you just have now. And I, I hate that, but just because I don't look sick anymore doesn't mean that I'm not sick. And just because I physically look like I'm okay doesn't mean that I'm mentally okay. So now it's to the point where, yeah, I may not need help cleaning my house or going to the grocery store or those types of things, but that doesn't mean that you just stop offering help. And I feel like that's how a lot of cancer patients feel is that once they're through the hard part, people stop caring. Um, And that's not on anybody's fault. Everybody just kind of gets used to this and they start living with it and everybody moves on. So that's nobody's fault. You still are sitting there asking yourself, how can I help somebody going through this type of situation? Just sending them a text and checking in on them is a huge way to help them mentally. Now with saying that, the same thing goes for the cancer patient. I am probably the worst at this because I, like Chris told you guys last week, I just act like everything's fine. Um, that's just, that's just me. I will just put a smile on my face. It doesn't matter what's going on on the inside and I will just keep moving forward. Um, so by doing so, that is how people treat me. And Chris has told me this so many times is you act like everything's okay. So how am I supposed to know when something's not? And that's simply because I don't ask for help instead of me, you know, walking around acting like everything is okay. And just waiting for somebody to ask me if I'm okay, I should probably be a little bit more vocal as to what's going on in my life. And that thing that none of this makes me weak. None of this, none of this means that I am just not brave or that I'm not capable. The biggest thing I have learned is that this does not last forever. Chemo did not last forever, even though in those moments I felt like it was never ending. I felt like I would never be me again. The going through the mastectomy and the pain, even though there are scars there that remind me every day of what I went through. The pain did not last forever. I was able to lift my arms up again. I was able to pick up my children. I was able to squeeze them and hug them. I was able to go in the pool and swim around and be active. I was able to do all of these things. So just because you need help in a moment doesn't mean that you will need help forever. So it is not a sign of weakness. It is absolutely a sign of strength for the cancer patient.
your number one job is to fight this disease. It's to be on this earth for as long as that you possibly can. The only way to do that is to ask for help. Not at all because you are weak or not at all because you are struggling, but because you want to remain strong for a much longer period of time. So get rid of the added stress, let go of all of the insecurities and the guilt, and ask and accept help. Take this from somebody who did the complete opposite and turned an already stressful situation into even more stress. I will finish this episode with this. There is a strength in being vulnerable and being human. We are designed to coexist and to co-create life. And by doing so, we can change the experiences that we have for the better if we do it together. 